0: Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Mark Brussel. Each week we discuss different filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. What's up, man?
1: Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Good Everything morning. okay? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know, regular old emotional filmmaker stuff over here. So Yeah. Uh, Does yeah. this
0: have to do with the rage?
1: A l- yeah, a little bit. And um, Talk to me. What's going I don't on? know. Just also, like, people's reactions to, like, me saying I'm thinking about moving to, to Los Angeles.
0: <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't know. No one said anything on Facebook or Twitter, so I, I just thought everyone was like, woo! All yeah, right.
1: I mean, I guess on my Facebook they have been. Um, yeah. You know, and... Like, I don't know, it's not bad things. It's just like you know, I've started to feel pressure on that uh-huh. on that side of things and pressure in the know. direction
0: of LA or pressure to stay here? Oh no. So,
1: um just like not like pressure to go to L A, just like the pressure of like what it what it's gonna mean to make that that move, you know, and like, what, gotcha. a, w- how successful am I going to be? And, right. you know, like some guy was like, you should come here and you got a PA for like two years <laughs> or, or just go start <laughs> PAing and learn everything. And it's like, I've already PA I don't need to learn anything. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like, it's not already, like some I mean, magical way, dream. I, I should just change it. I, I was also, there's always a lot for me to learn. I mean, for sure. Like I'm not saying I know everything, but right. I don't think production assistant work is, um, what I should be doing, you know, and, uh, or getting a job as an assistant at an, at an agency or something. I mean, right. I That's don't not That's not the reason you're going to LA. Yeah. I, right. I don't think so. I don't think you have to do that if you go
0: to <laughs> LA. I think you're past that <laughs> yeah. point.
1: I don't know. I hope so. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, it's just, yeah, I felt like I had a plan, you know, and I still feel like I have a plan, but I feel like Ooh. this plan, um, you know. It's not necessarily a foolproof plan. It's it's just like really it's going to be an adventure, and it's going to be yeah um you know an, a lot of unknowns. And I mean, I feel like that's part of the fun of it is to not know what's going to happen. But
0: you know what that's called? It's called li- life.
1: Life, right?
0: <laughs> just there's how there are no knowns. You just have to jump into it, and that's yeah. and especially moving from one city to the next. You don't know what to expect, and it's easier to just not do anything because you're in a safe, comfortable zone and you kind of know what to expect here. I, from experience, know that it's, like, so hard to make a change. And I've, I resist every single change that comes up in my, my life. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing to do. I probably shouldn't do it. And then when I end up doing it, I end up enjoying it so much. Yeah, You know? yeah, but It's hard to make that leap. I think you just have to just do it and... You you know, and you said this last week, that if you do it, and then in a year from now, it's not working out, you can always come back.
1: What's right. a year? Right. A year's nothing. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I was talking to a guy from Los Angeles over the weekend, and, um, you know, he was, like, referring to me as an outsider, you know, it was, like, from an outsider's perspective or from, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean... I, I, I'm starting to see it's like it's more proof that it's like yes if you want to be taken seriously by people who live in Los Angeles like you probably need to live, live in Los Angeles like they're just not going to take you seriously
0: until sure. you've gone
1: through the things that they've gone through you know yeah. Um, and
0: well, when you understand things differently when you're ingrained right. somewhere like I remember when we were on the Just Shoot It podcast and they started talking about San Francisco I think we both immediately got defensive because you're just like you don't know our town you don't know us Right. It's the same thing even though um i think Oren had lived here for a little bit it still felt like you didn't stick it out you don't really know what it's like here and it's probably the same thing if you're don't live in la you probably people feel like you don't really understand it yeah so anyways you feel like a little off balance right now
1: yeah i guess um like i i felt like i had like clear um like clear things to do like a clear um like all these steps and
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh goals and tasks and and all that stuff and now i just feel like you know waking up this morning i'm like what am i doing (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) this is all disaster but i don't know i'll figure it out i'll figure it
0: out i'll start
1: putting things in motion and start actually doing these things i want to do and i think it'll be better um yeah but i just i guess there's also just a lot to do like you know rebranding the website and uh you know, um I have work to do on both features that i'm I'm working on, you know, mm-hmm. and then I have uh you know all these new projects I want to do before I leave, and then you know continue to reach out to people in Los Angeles and try to like set up some meetings for December. It's just like this just you know it's a never ending it's
0: nonstop it just gets busier and busier, doesn't it?
1: right, yeah, I don't know, so i I think I need to make just make myself a list. I think a list would solve a lot of my problems right now, yeah, um,
0: it always helps me.
1: Yeah, how was your weekend? What's going on on your it end? It was
0: good. Uh, I saw three movies. I saw a movie called Bellflower, which I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, it's I think they made it for like a hundred and fifty thousand or something. It was made in Ventura um, by a little production company, and I heard I heard the guy on I think it was on the Movie Crypt. Because he had gone, I think he premiered it at Sundance, but I'd never heard of this movie. And it sounded like like Hollywood came and, and, and knocked on his door and kind of like they talked about making movies together. But then he decided, no, I'm not going to get involved in the studio system. I'm just going to keep making my own movies. So I think that this little production company now like just kind of makes these small indie movies and they're like curating a small audience to just keep it going. So it's kind of cool. It wasn't. I didn't really love the movie, but I was curious about it just based off of hearing it. It's kind of like a pre-apocalyptic movie. So the apocalypse hasn't quite happened yet, but it's about a group of people that are kind of obsessed with what if the apocalypse comes and they're like preparing for it. There's a lot of kind of Mad Max vehicle type stuff going on.
1: Right. I heard about this movie. I don't know what context, but someone mentioned it the other day bellflower i think it was just in context to indie movies and yeah you know low budget stuff you know but um yeah i, I don't remember what the context of, of mentioning it was really
0: so i watched that and then yeah. i watched another kind of indie movie more bigger budgets like i think 1.3 million it's mm. called approaching the unknown and it was um uh, the credits had like so many organizations that this filmmaker went through. One of them was Sundance Labs and then they also had had a relationship with the San Francisco Film Foundation and it came through San Francisco similar to um, Beasts of the Southern Wild where like Spy Post had done some of the visual effects on it. The Academy of Art had did some visual effects on it. But the basic premise is very similar to my short film Loan, which is an astronaut alone on a spaceship uh, on a one-way mission to Mars, and he's there to like go start the colonization process in Mars. And the movie's very much about what it means to be alone in our place, um, mostly our place on Earth, uh, told from this one guy's perspective. And so it all takes place in this one ship that's just floating through space.
1: Oh, wow, that's awesome! That sounds yeah. cool. It was all right. Yeah,
0: it was shot really well. Really great production design, but. Yeah, it was the story could have been better. Oh, yeah. But it was cool. It's cool to watch these like smaller movies just to kind of see how people are doing them. Yeah. And kind of like what works and what doesn't work.
1: Doesn't the production, isn't always there always something? If it's not the story, it's the production design. (laughs) If it's not the production design, it's the story or it's something else.
0: Right. I mean, it's like the rare film that everything lines up, and then those are the ones that break out, and everyone's like, that's going to be like my first feature. That's, you know, Reservoir Dogs. That's like, I want to do something like that. But then there's like a whole sea of movies that are all trying to do that, and they all fall short somewhere here or there. And then, but they're still inspiring and they still find audiences. So, I mean, that's, those are the films that I kind of want to keep watching because that's more of the the pool that I'm going to be swimming in.
1: Right. Don't you think that the most important thing though is like story? Because if, if you have your story is good, then all the other things will be um, overlooked. Like people aren't going to really hold, hold against you like some, you know, like lackluster production design or, you know, um Yeah bad uh, editing or something as long as the story is really good
0: right i
1: mean i don't know
0: they won't they won't once they watch the movie but it's getting the people to watch the movie in the first place that those things might interfere with because yeah, the, fir- the entry point true. to any film is some sort of trailer or you know some some pictures of it so if it doesn't look premium and doesn't have like that nice feel to it you might not get people to watch it in general
1: um yeah the movies i watched this weekend are so different than the ones you watched um <laughs> <laughs> what'd you see? i saw thor uh ragnarok uh-huh. i almost saw it twice um but just saw it once and then we watched almost all of Man- mindhunter over the weekend oh uh, yeah which was like really good i mean i think we'd watched maybe three or four episodes before but we finished the rest of it um yesterday mainly um that's a really good show <laughs>
0: And then did you do a screening of your short film this weekend? I
1: did. Screening of The Rage this weekend. Where was it playing? Uh, At the Delancey Street Theater in San Francisco. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. A
1: a proper screening room, which was great. Um, Yeah.
0: Was it a film festival? Yep.
1: Yep. The PictoClick Film Festival. It's the second time I've been there. I was there for Strange Mm -hmm. Thing um, three or four years ago, which was cool. Um, And then, yeah, back again with The Rage. Uh, And that was really fun. That was like a really interesting experience because... You know, I walk into the room and the fr- I first recognized a guy I had just worked with that week on that corporate video job. And so it's like, oh my God, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's John. <laughs> it's like, hello. And then we just talked and, you know, um, and then, you know, his girlfriend's also like a production coordinator. So that was fun too. And then. I get in in the other place and then it's like Jason Regosta who I hung out with at AFM was there and then oh, yeah. one of my previous employers Fiona from One World Communications was there and then I met this other woman Mercedes who had been talking to via email um, that I was connected to randomly she was there too and so we met for the first time in person and then you know then the cast and crew of the rage like you know Sophia and Jeff and Jason uh, the DP were all there and then I feel like there was like another person I knew there too, but it was just like all these people I knew. It was like crazy. Ulric um,
0: Purcell this is your life
1: yeah I know and it, it was kind of weird it was so much fun and it was such a cool screening it was like well why am I going to LA again like when there's so many cool <laughs> filmmakers in in oh, San Francisco man, there'll,
0: be, there'll be tons of screenings down there just like that. I, I know
1: but it was just you know it just felt like yeah I was like in in the zone with the people I knew and it was just a lot of fun
0: right. um it's your little community
1: and then the screening starts and all the movies are good. And then there was one weird thing where a movie just ended. And I was like, that was a weird, abrupt ending to a really great movie. I was like, oh. okay, keep on going. And then my movie comes up eventually and it sounds just the way I want it to sound. Like super loop, duper loud, like shaking the seat loud, like exactly <laughs> what me and the you know sound designer had planned. It was so great. Visually, it looked great. It was everything I wanted. I got some audience, like, kind of reaction to some of the weird flashes and stuff. And I was like, this is going wonderful. The final thing happens. It's really intense. And then the movie ends early.
0: <laughs> it oh, just no. cut
1: like, right after the the big violent sequence at the end before, like, the credits or, like, there's a one more shot or two more shots that, like, kind of... Solidify, thing, solidify things a little bit and it just cut yeah. and started in the next movie and it was like really kind of disturbing to have your movie shut, cut off like that and uh yeah. to lose part of it you know and uh and like especially when I felt like the presentation was so on point until that moment you know I felt like people really didn't get the full experience so it's like yeah between the two screenings I've been to like one it was projected terribly and the sound was terrible so like that doesn't really even count. And then this one, it was like perfect, but then the whole movie didn't get played. So I don't really even like feel like I ever even got a true audience like reaction to it because it didn't finish. So you can't really know how you feel about it. Um, (laughs) They didn't get all the information. Right. And then, you know, we're on stage at the end doing a Q and a, and then someone asked about like creating a safe place to tell a story like this. And then all of a sudden I realized that like, you know, with the climate that all these things are happening though. Harvey Weinstein thing, all the LA, you know, sex scandal stuff. It's like, this is not like not the right time to have a movie that like challenges your ideas of sex and violence and, um, <laughs> you know, put something yeah. that's intense and challenging in that area for an audience. And I was just felt like such an idiot. And I don't know. I think I answered the question well, but I felt like I was rambling and I don't know. I just got really embarrassed. And I was trying to talk to somebody else about it afterwards. And, you know, um, one, one guy was like, or one couple, they were like, well, we, we actually didn't find it that offensive. It was like more like there was another movie that had a lot of racial slurs in it. Like just part of the culture of that movie, which I didn't think was offensive at all, but like they found that offensive. <laughs> but they were like, your, your movie wasn't as offensive as that movie. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that, that's good. <laughs> and then I talked to somebody else and then they were like, they brought up the same thing that a lot of other people have brought up, that the two actors who play the different women are very similar looking. So it's kind of hard to yeah. distinguish them. And it just really sucks because that was not the plan originally. Like we had another actor who looked very different in that role and then we just had to, bailed, ad- right? yeah, we just had to adjust. And it's like, yeah, it just sort of sucks because, um, you know, that's the last thing that you want to um, impact people's view viewing of the movie. And especially when it's on such a huge screen, it's like, to me, like there's no mistaking it. And especially when it's so big, but the fact that someone still said that even watching it on a big screen was like fuck <laughs> this sucks yeah. um so i don't know i mean it just sort of yeah i was like well what do i do like not just not release this movie and bury it it's like no i can't do that the whole point of making this movie was to show it to the world and like get people's takes on on this thing and i and i have my idea of what it means and why all the the stuff in it is important but like other people don't necessarily get that and i think everyone has a different idea of what it means and what it feels and I think that's good like because there was other people who sort of read it in a different way and I really appreciated it that way and then I, I didn't stay for drinks afterwards I just left the screening but then I heard from Jeff that some of the conversations he had with people were about about the movie were like you know kind of like it from a place of them relating to it so I was like okay well that feels good at least people Seemed to like it
0: and, you know, <laughs> yeah. weren't like completely alienated by it. Um, but so you have to screen it at least one more time so you can get the full experience. Yeah, by. I don't know what
1: that's going to happen. I'm getting rejected from every film festival ever. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I've got like six more to, to hear from. But I guess, I mean, I would be surprised if anyone wants to screen it, especially with all that's just happened. Like, I can't imagine someone watching that movie and being like, yes, this is what we should share with the audiences. This crazy thing that is a little slightly (laughs) disturbing and challenges your ideas of what sex and and violence
0: is. Yeah, let's let's show this movie to people. It's like, no, I don't think so. So what are you going to do with it if it doesn't make it into any other film festivals?
1: Well, we did get accepted to, like, this um, online footage. Uh, It's it's like an online movie website, kind of similar to what... um, our friend of the show uh gosh what's his name uh oh he had that movie a uh, B- bullet or something or um
0: God. Blood bullet. Ronnie Allman.
1: Yeah. So it's similar to what Ronnie Allman was doing with a $1 screening or $1 short films or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's basically going to be $1 for anything that's under 30 minutes and then like a buck 50 for anything that's, um, over 30 minutes, like a feature mm-hmm. length. And it's going to be like a new online streaming service for like, you know, narr- independent films basically. So like a place you can go. And pay a, a, a small amount of money to watch, um, you know, independent films, and the money is supposed to go back mostly to the filmmaker. So it's like a sixty forty split between the filmmaker and the service. What's I, the name of this? It's called Dark Footage um, Entertainment or something. But what's interesting is like they haven't really launch, launched their their site yet. So all they have it's like basically they're also a production company. So it's really like. When you go to their website you just see like the movies they're working on you don't really see their their service um but yeah i guess he says he has a beta of the site up and everything and they've they're curating movies they have about you know they're being very selective they like got 150 responses or, or, or submissions so far and then they only selected 10 from the 150 so that's like i don't know i guess a pretty good sign but yeah that's cool they have a long way to go to like building their database um but yeah, so that's one idea. I don't know how keen um, me or Jeff are on it because, uh, you know, it's like, well, why don't we just put it on Amazon Prime and, you know, we can get views <laughs> that way. And I think you get money right. for even on, when it's on Prime per view. You, but I think it's like eight cents or it's really,
0: really a small amount. You know, you make a really sexy movie poster to attract people like nice, sexy, a one-liner about your film and people are just gonna be like whoa what's this yeah i I actually like like my poster
1: that i already have i think it's pretty good um so i don't know well
0: Well, i'm just saying to like up the viewership (laughs) right you know people like at like 11 o'clock at night like 13 year olds are gonna be like oh what's this yeah. This. Just this show a
1: still of her naked in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um <laughs> No, but uh but yeah, and then I I don't know. I just kind of I'm still attracted to the whole like building your audience around a movie online, you know, around Vimeo or YouTube or something. So I yeah. kind of feel like you know, it might just be more of I think all oh, that's probably more of the approach that we'll take. Like put it on Prime, put it on everything that we can and then, you know, just see how many views we can get off of it, you know, and sort of push people towards one link to try to like gather as many views as we can um, well, and
0: I I think you could use it as a little bit of an experiment to see how you can build that audience with this small film and if you can figure out a way to build it with this then you can up- scale that up when you get to your feature
1: right but it's such a different audience for this movie I think than for my feature
0: um, yeah it's, it doesn't have to be the same audience but I mean just figure cracking the code and how to get people to go watch a film that's available, let's say, on Amazon Prime. If your feature ends up on Amazon Prime too and you already have some techniques to get people to go and watch it, it's a different technique than getting people to go to YouTube or Vimeo, which is what we've been doing with all of our short films. So this would be like a new thing for you to experiment with. Right. Yeah. I have no idea how to do that, but yeah, I guess it's something (laughs) I'd have to figure out. Like we're going to talk about Facebook advertising and all my ads were based off of clicking into either our website for the podcast or clicking to YouTube to go watch my short film. But if I had, uh, what I've been thinking about is like the next step to that is you have people click through to some landing page, but then you have, they have to click through to like purchase a film or if it's Amazon Prime to start streaming it. So that's, like, a different thing than, like, the immediate satisfaction of, hey, check out this podcast episode where we talk about making $12,000 uh, feature films and somebody can click through and start listening right away without entering any other information. Or with the short film, like, hey, check out the short film you might be interested in. And if they have 20 minutes to spare, they'll watch it right then. But with, like, a feature, there's, like, that extra step of normally in, in – the, the feature film world you're asking people to leave their home go to the theater buy a ticket and sit in a movie theater for like two hours which is kind of what I'm equating that to is that there's like an extra step people either have to remember to do it or they just happen to be at the right place right time to like do it right do it right away
1: right right Exactly. You know?
0: so it's like a hard thing so like ooh, I don't know if you want to jump into Facebook yeah let's um, do it okay let's jump in um because the the, the next step for like after you kind of drive traffic somewhere is you have to then get people to convert to a sale and so like I have some numbers now that that show um, click throughs based off of the ads that I created and audiences that I chose but I don't know if I was actually selling my film how many of those click throughs would turn into a sale so um, I'm gonna join you on google hangouts and then i'll share my screen with you okay
1: yeah and i'm I'm really like kind of having a hard time of uh really understanding exactly um how this all worked you know
0: so can you see this yeah all right so my facebook ads account um so i made three two ads One ad was for the Gnome Crawl episode of our podcast. I actually started with the AFM episode of our podcast, and then I had problems with it because our um, picture in the AFM podcast had writing on it, and so it it was running for just a little bit, and then Facebook kicked it back and said, we can't run this anymore. There's too much text in your picture. Oh, And so I just ended up choosing a different um, podcast or different episode to share out and I was like ah people probably would click on the like make a movie for 12k so I ended up switching gears and doing that mm. but you can see like so the gnome crawl one um, I spent ten dollars got 18 clicks and it's f- I got it's an average of 56 cents per click that mm-hmm. I paid for mm-hmm. then I also made an ad for the Spirit machine. I spent uh, $20 and I split it up. So $10 went towards one group set and then $10 went towards another group set. And uh, overall, across $20, got 49 link clicks. So that averaged out to 41 cents per click. Right. So just based on that, like I'm wondering, let's say that I was selling Spirit Machine and it, cost me 41 cents just to get people to go to the website and watch a trailer and consider buying it. How many of those would convert to sales? I wonder.
1: Yeah. Well, the link click is that's just to get to the website or what's the link click? What's the link that you set up to be clicked?
0: on? Um, on spirit machine, was it just a link to YouTube or? Yeah. I'll show you what the ad looks like. So the ad was a video, um, a five second video of, kind of my teaser. And then I explained that uh, it was available now to watch on YouTube. And so it clicked through to the YouTube link. So
1: you know that you got 49 clicks to that. So that's 49 views on the YouTube uh, channel in theory? In theory, yeah. Interesting.
0: So then the next thing that I had to do was like decide who I was going to send the ad out to. And um, so I noticed that you can split test things. Um, So you can, so in this instance, I split tested my audience, but you can also split test an ad. So you can be like, does ad a perform better than ad B? But in this case, I wanted to see was like, would audience a perform better than audience B? Mm. So I had two different audiences that I created and I sent the ad out to them to see which one would respond better to the same ad so ad set one performed at 56 cents a click and ad set two performed at 32 cents per click interesting yeah so ad set one i sent out to people living in brazil the united kingdom russia and the united states age 13 to 20 interests match independent film or steven spielberg and must also match interests in Thomas Edison or the magazine magazine of fantasy and science fiction. Mm, interesting. That's that one. At set two, which performed better was just the United States, ages 13 to 20. Uh, people with an interest in science fiction movies or fantasy movies. And must also match an interest in Poltergeist, the 1982 film, or The Prestige. interesting yeah um and then the other thing you can click on you can kind of find out like your demographic so based on that ad group interestingly my ad performed better with women than with men interesting which is pretty cool um kind of evenly split between ages of 13 to 17 and 18 to 24 um so that wasn't that didn't really give me too much more information but if i were to do this again i might say like all right, so women are responding a little bit better than men. Maybe I target women. I target women in the United States. And with the interest, the interest that I found in Ad Set 2, which is um, you know, this kind of like more fantasy, sci-fi based, and then like specific films that they like mm-hmm. that kind of overlap with the spirit machine.
1: So so, what does that all mean then? That women <laughs> like your movie more than men? and that uh... No,
0: it doesn't even mean that they'll like it. It just means that they'll click on my ad. Huh. That's the other thing is like to find out like... So I guess there's like... To me, the ad thing becomes almost like a different thing than the movie itself. Where it's like, how do you motivate people to click through on a link? And the people that are clicking through on a link that are interested in the film... I don't know if that actually equates to your audience. It's more about the people that would be interested in that film, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to like your film. Huh. You know? Right. That's so weird. it's like almost like two sides of the the filmmaking business where you have like one side, which is the audience that's going to like your film and the other side that's like the audience that will actually pay to watch your film.
1: So what have you learned from this? Are you, are you that like, um, like what would you if you were to do another ad what would you do differently
0: I think I would probably it depends on my goals like this one was just really just I wanted to get my feet wet to kind of find out how this worked and kind of like what are the different things that I can control and um, what might kind of contribute to the success but I really was just focused on getting people to click through on a link to go watch the film on YouTube You know, which is a very different thing than if I'm trying to motivate people to buy my film or motivate people to participate somehow, like go see it at a movie theater. So I don't, I don't know what I learned so much about this particular ad set, but I did learn a lot about like Facebook advertising in general. And like, I remember when we talked to to Jess and Liz at Sundance, and they're talking a lot about analytics and how you can kind of figure out what your dem- demographic is by doing a bunch of tests. Now I kind of see how that works is that you throw a bunch of ads out there to see what what tests the best and who's re- who it's resonating with, and then you can help kind of direct your ad set based off of that. So knowing what I know now and that people respond better to like specific movies rather than like an d- interest in a director then I'd probably start focusing on like, all right, well, what are some movies that The Spirit Machine is like and try to target people that like similar movies to that. Maybe that's, you know, that's as far as I would go with this particular one. I could also just do some more tests and see, you know, is there an audience out there that I'm not thinking of that's not obvious? Like these are kind of the obvious audiences, right? That like these kinds of movies, but maybe there's an audience out there that just likes family stuff the about father and daughter relationships you know there's a whole bunch of stuff that i could try i'd have to spend a lot of money to do it which i'm not going to do because i'm never going to make my money back off of this but if i was trying to make money back then i would probably do a bunch of tests to kind of see like which market's going to work the best for me
1: right yeah exactly If, if you're actually selling something rather than just trying to get views you know yeah because views aren't going to pay your bills, um, no. unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and then there's another thing that I like learned. Um, I don't know where I can find this, but there's another analytic in here that tells you how many times an ad's pushed out to people, and you want to be careful about not hitting the same audience over and over and over again. I think on all these ads, I kind of like ended up hitting people less than like two times each because there's at a certain point, if people keep seeing an ad, but they're not doing anything, then that means that they're not interested in it. So you can, you could potentially just keep spitting the ad out to the same group of people and hoping for the same results. But I think you're going to see like a decrease in traffic at a certain point.
1: Right. Well, wouldn't you want to like, like experiment with different areas and different people? Like, and then as you, like you're saying, like do different ads in different places and then see which ones are working, working better. And then the ones that are working better, like focus in that area, you know, or like try to find areas similar or try to find where the people who like that are, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, so in the, for instance, on like one of my ad sets, like I targeted the UK, Brazil and Russia was because I went to my analytics on Spin Dry Productions and kind of Looked at the traffic that I was getting on that website and saw some of those countries being high up on the list next to the United States. So I was like, well, you know, I want to see if maybe there's an audience out there outside the United States that might be interested. So I could also just create like an ad set for each one of those countries and just to see like which country performs the best. I'm guessing the United States would perform the best, but you know, you don't know until you try. Can you target
1: women over men or men over
0: women too? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, maybe based on your what you'd learn, you would do women instead, right? Or more women and less yeah. men? Yeah, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I guess this, this also raises a question of like, what do you want them to be clicking on? Because... You know, each click is really valuable and yeah, if you're paying 50 cents a click. And you can't as- assume that once they get to where you're sending them that they're going to click more. So, whatever the one click is should be the most direct um thing to what you want, you know? Like mm-hmm. so if it's like you want them to buy the movie, then shouldn't that click go directly to the movie um purchase page or something? Or yeah. if you want them to watch it on Amazon Prime, shouldn't that take you directly to the Amazon Prime page, you know, where they can either, if they are a Prime member, they can watch it. Or if they're not, they can pay a dollar or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's what I've been thinking. And I think when I did my brother one, I kind of messed up because I sent everybody to the article um, at that one college uh, or that humor humor mill or whatever it was. or um, And then... I don't know if that was really that valuable because it's like they're reading this article, but it's like not necessarily the most engaging article in the whole world. No offense to those guys, but I mean, it was, it was great, but it wasn't like, you know, oh my gosh, like Hollywood Reporter or anything. Um, and it probably would have been more valuable to spend my 200 bucks on just the link to Vimeo because I had like 488 people do like you know, take action, like click on the link, you know? Um, so yeah, those 488 views probably would have been better than 488 people going to the college website to like me- maybe, maybe, you know, maybe click on it or maybe not click on, on the, actually the, the view, the viewer button, you know, on that. Cause you're, you're basically giving them more information to, to decide if they want to click, click or not, you yeah. know? So you really want to <laughs> like limit that. So like, they're doing what you want them to do
0: by just clicking on it on Facebook, you know? Yeah. So like when you go to create your an ad for the first time, there's like mm. already kind of built in things that Facebook will ask you. Like, are you trying to create brand awareness? Are you trying to create traffic to a certain page? Are you trying to create engagement or video views? Well, video views, isn't that mostly what people like us are trying to do? <laughs>
1: yeah. These... A lot of times, right? Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't really care about people going to my
0: website as much as them just (laughs) watching my movies, you know? So, I mean, this right here, so there's, like, a a meter that they'll put, and they'll say, like, how big the audience is based off of what you've chosen. So, like, right now, our potential reach, just based off of, like, the default, is 230 million people. So it's, like, your audience is fairly broad. So you can go in, and you can can start selecting, like, all right, I want to target people in a certain country or between a certain age range or um, gender, men or women, or they speak a certain language. And then the detailed targeting is when you can start, like, getting into, like, their interests or there's even, like, life events in here. Mm. Like, um, you know, you could... It's kind of scary how much information there is out there, but it's like like a life event, like somebody recently died in the family. Like that could potentially be like a big audience for me. Yeah. You know? So like <laughs> well, if I could find people that feels a that, little
1: creepy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want right? to
1: market my movie to people who have just Isn't suffered. Isn't that loss. weird though? Yeah. There's
0: like that kind of stuff in here. Let's see if I can find it. I found it when I was like searching around. I was like, what? Life events, friend, away from family. Newly engaged. Birthday, new job. Extraterrestrial life interest. That's interesting. Yeah. But you can see how like each one of these, like the number of uh, your audience number changes. So like people with an interest in the afterlife, there's like 31,500,000 people roughly. So if you like click that and then you like create like another like tier of like, and we want to include people that are, they're interest in the afterlife and interested in science right doesn't change our our, our metrics that much but the idea is that you right. would try to like um narrow your audience to a place where you get to a very specific group of people you know probably like thousands of people rather than millions of people
1: do you want to be super specific is that the goal Or is it to be somewhere in the middle? Because looking at that chart, it's like red on one side, yellow on the other side, green in the middle. So that like, to me, that makes me just think like green is good. Red or yellow is not as good.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Well, I mean, it's, I think it's a a matter of strategy, right? Like I, I remember Noam Kroll on our podcast was talking about how it's all about like niche marketing and like getting a very small, like specific audience. So like in some ways I feel like depending on the budget of your movie, you might want to get like more specific and smaller with it rather than trying to go too broad.
1: Yeah. He was saying he'd rather like have a thousand um, people engaged and responding rather than like a million people who, you know, don't really respond
0: or something or like, you know, are not engaged by the content. And that's something to experiment too, is like try an ad set that's very targeted and specific and see how that performs against something that's, broader and see if you get because it's all about like how much it costs you to get a click if you can get the cost per click down to like 10 cents then it doesn't cost you that much to advertise but like in my case right now i'm at like 50 cents a click right that's going to get really expensive right i'm going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars just to get people to click through and then the conversion off of that let's say I get 100 people to click through and i spend like um 50 to get that then I'd have to sell five movies at ten dollars each just to break even. So that means was that ten percent of the people that click through then have to buy my movie just to break even, which is kind. of sounds like a lot to me.
1: Right. Yeah. Totally. I mean, you know, and even if like you were to set up your click as as to the buy page for your movie, people still have to put in their credit card information. They still yeah. have to go through with it. I mean, I guess the easiest way would be if they're watching movies through iTunes and they're already. Like hooked in with their card information and you're giving them an iTunes link, then maybe that would be easier for them to say yes, you
0: know, but yeah, that, that would be the next step for us to figure out is yeah. like how many things kind of convert, how many clicks convert over to a sale. So that's also like what would be interested to see is like if I was smart, actually, I probably would have. Kind of looked at my YouTube count to see if something happened with my YouTube views between the time I started this ad and now. Right. Um, although I do remember you saying last week when you did you go onto my Spirit Machine YouTube page yeah. when we were doing the podcast? Yeah. And you said there's like 68,000 or 58,000 views or yes. something. I'm almost at 61. So might have done something. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I feel like interesting. It's it's gone
1: up like two thousand hits. I mean, I don't know how much, um, you
0: know, <laughs> how much of that came from right, my advertising. Right. Um, the other thing, also, just like on another cost per click thing, is I looked up an article and it said that the cost per click across all industries is averaged out at one dollars, one dollar and seventy two cents. Right, which right. Is really high. So, like, I I think I did pretty good. I yeah. guess app- apparel is like the lowest cost per click at like 45 cents, which I was like pretty much in that range. So Interesting. I, th- I think there's like kind of a market for if you want to market your short film just to like have people watch it. seems like you can do that on Facebook for like 40 to 50 cents a click, which might be... um the same audience size and the same cost as like entry in film festivals. Right. I feel like I spent like <laughs> twenty dollars and got forty views on my movie, and is like, yeah, that's about what I'd get at a film festival.
1: Right. I wonder. I wonder if um, you know, by doing these ads, if you can somehow catch wildfire. You know, like if you can, yeah, right, like you know, spend 50 bucks and then like target the right audience. And then that audience just really connects with it. And then all of a sudden, boom, bam, they're sharing it with everybody, you know, and it's off to the races.
0: Yeah. Um, right. It's really interesting. Could be. Maybe you target people in the film industry. Yeah. Like a, a technique or target people. I don't know. There's, it's worth exploring. I feel like as I was digging into this and I was like oh shit like if I start sharing this information then everyone's just going to be using it and then it will be old news and we'll all have to find something new well, to go people are already with. using it <laughs> but, I, but I do feel like that's just kind of like the nature of this industry right, right? like this thing is going to be old like this news will in a year to five years Facebook advertising will be old news and we'll all be on to something else so if anyone out there is trying to take advantage of the stuff now like capitalize on it now before somebody like figures it out and ruins it for everyone else. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I think people are already,
1: <laughs> they've been using Facebook ads forever. I mean, I don't think it's like ever since Facebook pulled back their algorithm and changed things up, I think, and they, and they made ads available. People have been using them. Um, yeah. I know when I first did my ad, the, the ad site or the ad, you know, whatever um, tool on Facebook was not a, nearly as robust as it is now. You know, back right. when I did mine in 2016, like over a year ago. Um, Is that just
0: kind of like a boost post thing or did you yeah.
1: create a whole ad? I created an, it's funny. It's like I went to my ad thing and it's, just, it's I have the same screen as you. It's just, um, you know, I don't think I have as much information, but it, it, it put it into the same system, you know? Um, and,
0: and isn't boosting posts the same as doing the ad? I mean, feels like it's, it's the same thing. It's roughly the same thing, I think, and if you, you can also create an ad from the ground up. So mm. boosting posts is just kind of like if you want to just take an existing post and seed it out to an audience. Okay, it's that. I right? don't think if they had like, the
1: ad creation tool back when I did it. It was, but but now it's like maybe they put yeah. My, my all the boosted posts I've done, which has only been three, <laughs> they're in this ad manager. Um, oh, okay, cool. So I think it's considered the same thing, except like. Yeah, you can you can just now that you can you can just say, I want to advertise something and then they'll like just go into your Facebook pages and be like, well, let's create something around this. Let's create something around that. And they'll they'll help you do it together, you know? Yeah, because um, like, I'm sure you get those all the time, right? Like whenever you're on Facebook, it's always like a suggestion to, you know, yep. a post suggestion that you could, you know, create an ad out of, you know? Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah. So
1: they're just doing that
0: all the time. So I expect that somebody will figure out a way to you that will hear like a really great success story with Facebook ads. Like we we're talking about like targeting Hollywood execs with their movie and then getting some deal, and then everyone right. else will try to do it, and then it'll like it's done. Once right. once somebody's done like something like that once, it's done. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say that someone hasn't already done
1: it. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I am Sure, could people have, have been trying have to
0: target Hollywood
1: execs uh, since they realized you could target people, but it's probably not that easy <laughs> to target that kind yeah. of
0: specific group. You know um i don't know it's a powerful tool and i think there's a lot yeah. in there to explore with but it does cost money to play right right so i'm done i'm for now i'm done Like right. <laughs> i spent 30 bucks in the past week and it was fun but uh, if i keep going i feel like it's like gambling i won't uh, be able to stop i
1: kind of feel like the experiment should be like okay so for brother's a perfect example because pretty much the views are locked in. I mean, it, it grow, it's been growing a little bit on Vimeo, you know, it was at like 2,700 or 2,800 like six months ago. Now it's at 3,000. Um, so like tiny bit of growth, but it would be interesting to, um, you know, just create an ad for brother and like create it in a way where you could like just see clicks beforehand, clicks afterwards, and then just see how many more views I get, you know, and just see if it actually makes a difference and and then even <laughs> a step further would be to do one for um the brother Vimeo link and then do mm-hmm. one for the brother uh video that's actually hosted on Facebook uh yeah. the one that I have on my Brussel productions site and and then see okay I got x amount of views um you know by uh putting it on Vimeo and then the same ad, same people on Facebook with the Facebook video. How many views do I get? Or I guess it couldn't really be the same people because then it would be like you know they'd already be diluted. <laughs> right? They're but gonna
0: click on one or the other. I'd
1: have to pick like another. Like let's say I do one in LA and then one in New York, you know, and then do one with Facebook and one with Vimeo, and then just see yeah, what the see difference is. Which one is. performs better?
0: My yeah. guess is that Facebook video on Facebook performs better than clicking yeah. out.
1: Cause it's, it's at 317 views right now, um, on Facebook, and it's been that way forever. Um, and, and pretty much all my Facebook views, like, there's no, there's no natural growth there at all. Like, Zombie versus Drone has 956, which it had in the beginning. The rage trailer has 514. Cake has 2100. Um, and then, you know, yeah, the other ones, percenting 600.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's the nature of Facebook video, though, right? Like, it's, it's, has a short shelf life it's up there and then once it's not being pushed out people don't go search for it whereas youtube right. people are going on youtube to search specifically to watch
1: right stuff like you have to keep on pushing it yourself and you have to keep on yep. you know pushing out there over and over and over again if you want people to to watch it you know but then you go to vimeo and brother has what it's got 3013 hits the watches um So I wonder if what would happen if I would get, could I get 50 more, you know, from 50 clicks or would it be less, more? I don't know. It's all very interesting.
0: It's worth trying. Yeah. So yeah, the next step for me is to figure out how to turn this into money. So I was kind of basically taking this to just get like a sense for, you know, what the cost per click is for a a movie, I guess. And then... From there, I want to figure out, like, what does a business plan look like to recoup an investment on like $100,000? How much do I think that I'd have to spend on something like Facebook advertising to get people to click through to buy a film based off of like a 1% conversion rate? It might be a crazy amount of money. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, but I'm going to do the calculation and I'll, I'll report uh, back and let you guys know.
1: That's funny. Yeah, I don't know. And, I'm, and what what would that even look like? And like, would that even be accurate <laughs> math? Because like, if you were to spend that kind of money on Facebook, would it grow exponentially from there? Yeah,
0: right. Would you people know? start passing it around? And that's yeah. the other thing I'm wondering is like, if you spend enough money on advertising on these social platforms, does your movie start to feel more real to people? Even if they're not clicking on it? And they're just seeing these ads appear in their feed. And they're just like, oh, shit, there's this movie out there. And then if they hear somebody say something, they're like, oh, yeah, I think I heard about that movie. Like, there might be some sort of, like, way to make your film feel bigger than it actually is by using these tools. Right. Maybe. This is just Facebook. There's also Twitter. And, and, oh, actually, Facebook integrates into Instagram. And then also the other thing I forgot to mention is a lot of these ads weren't pushed just to Facebook. They have like a whole network of um, placements and I'm not totally sure where they go, but I think more than half of my my ads were placed in other networks besides Facebook. So I don't know. It's pretty cool. I think yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff in here. It's worth playing around with. Um, yeah. Well, people yeah, are using
1: it and it's working for, yeah, for filmmakers working. and for other people. So, I mean, I just feel like we need to figure out how make it work for us, you know, and I think you have yeah. to have a product
0: to sell <laughs>
1: in order for it to actually. Yeah, work, exactly. You
0: know? I have nothing to sell right now. So yeah. it's, it's a very limited findings, but I think this is kind of what the Sundance creative distribution lab is trying to figure out right now so i'm going to be curious to read their posts as they come out and right. just see what they find yeah because i mean, i get the sense when we talk to them that they don't really know they're just they're trying to figure it well, out Well, they're, they're learning yeah and, I, and they're I, learning yeah, yeah. so everyone's learning and i think the more we share information across uh, the filmmaking community i think the more we're going to get better at this stuff and then either we will decide like this is better than going with a distributor or we'll say you know what we can't do this ourselves. Let's go back to the old distribution model.
1: Yeah, I know. Totally. Um, I'm really curious to read their case studies and see what their case studies have to say, you know. Um, But yeah, this is distributors. I mean, it's funny. I I, don't know if I talked about this, but like I met with uh, one of them. And they were saying like that, like oh yeah, everyone thinks they can just do it themselves these days. They don't need us anymore, you know. You mentioned
0: that, yeah, and it's it's so so, funny, it's hilarious. Um, (laughs) Their business is hurting because everyone's like, ah, fuck the distributors. If they
1: they paid filmmakers minimum guarantees or gave us like upfront money for our movies, like we would be much more willing to work with them, you know. But if if people are just going to try to acquire things for nothing and pay us on the back end which is like a myth basically it's like why would we do that It yeah. just it seems stupid
0: um well anyways. i'm curious to see if this episode will make any sense to anyone besides us i'll have to listen to it without the like visual reference of my facebook page right. but right sorry guys this wasn't the best presentation but hopefully there's something in here that
1: well throw up some stills it. into the show notes and so yeah. people can look watch watch along with it you know and yeah so I don't think
0: uh, we have time for the little people. Um, no, let's just share some uh, iTunes reviews and get out of here.
1: Yeah, let's just get the hell out of here. Get the hell out
0: of here. I'm done.
1: Um, all right, I'm going to read the first one. So these are from Canada today, right? These are all three from
0: Canada, is that right? Yep. Nice. Canadian iTunes reviews that go as far back as November 2015. Wow. I'm so sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry. But, uh, Jamie Francis tweeted at us and just said, hey guys, be sure to check out the other iTunes stores because they're all separated. I just left you guys a review in uh, in the Canadian iTunes store. And that's ha- what opened up me looking into some of these other regions. Wow. I'm not going to be able to go through the whole world, so I probably won't find all of them, but I did find a few countries. Wait, you can't go through the whole world, yo? Come it's on, It's going to take forever. <laughs> so if you guys did leave us a review in an iTunes store other than the United States, let us know so we can find it.
1: Yeah, ping us, because then, yeah. you know, Timothy doesn't have to search through every country um, on <laughs> yeah, uh, every
0: day iTunes. to find us. Yeah, exactly. So thanks, Jamie, for turning this on to this. Yeah. Um, go and, for it all, Rick. And we'll do them at, like,
1: each each time we have a solo episode, we'll just do another res- set of reviews from other countries, because yeah. we have them from a bunch of different ones, right? Yep, at least three right now,
0: and maybe nice. more.
1: Nice. Okay. Well, here's the first one. So... It's called Real Filmmakers Sharing Their Struggles. Dot 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 Awesome. Five stars by Canadia Trades Two. Um and this was the one back in November tenth, twenty fifteen. So this is the first year of the
0: podcast?
1: Yeah. End of the Yeah, road. it was. Yeah. Like
0: halfway halfway through that first year.
1: Crazy. Um so it says, This is my favorite podcast to date because the hosts discuss the real struggles of indie filmmaking and how they confront the many challenges faced. They don't hold back and they're not pretentious or conceited, which seems to plague the industry, unfortunately. And that's the charm. Keep it up, guys. I look forward to every single episode. Wow. Thanks. Um, yeah
0: i hope canada trades too is still listening to the show
1: right i hope we're still not conceited and still not pretentious because <laughs> i yeah. i feel like we did a good job of the beginning of being that but i feel like i don't know sometimes the things we say i mean i wonder
0: <laughs> if <they're pretentious laughs> are or conceited. we yeah
1: are we becoming pretentious <laughs> are we becoming idiots i, I don't know that. but yeah thanks i'm glad that you did, you're digging it or you did dig it you know <laughs>
0: The next one is from A1 Robot from October 11th, 2016. The title is Honest and Knowledgeable. These guys analyze and dissect the world of indie filmmaking from the inside out. They are in the trenches and they speak of their experiences, triumphs, and tribulations with an emotional honesty that is refreshing to hear and easily understood by any struggling artist. They speak about all aspects of the craft intelligently. Both be seeking answers and supplying them as filmmakers doing their best to make it happen. Awesome. 5 stars.
1: Wow, well, hooray. Thanks A1 robot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and that's, you know, kind of encapsulates what the goal of the show is was to speak from the trenches, you know. Yeah. And just, you know, relate to people like what, what what's working, what's not working, you know, all that stuff. All right, last one. MMIH is becoming one of my favorite podcasts, and favorite with you, because they're not from America, <laughs> um, which I love, too, for some weird reason. This is by Jamie Francis Brothersfilms.com from November 8, 2017. Tim and Ulrich have a great podcast here. They are very skilled filmmakers in their own right, but don't at all come across as guys that know it all. It's the main strength of the podcast. Too many filmmaking podcasts come off as preachy and even condescending, not MMIH. They are straight shooters, and they both display a very humble attitude towards their filmmaking careers. It's very refreshing. Long-time listener, first-time reviewer. Five stars. Thanks, Jamie. That's awesome, man.
0: So it sounds like there's a consistent theme from 2015 to 2017. We're not pretentious assholes, I think. (laughs) Okay, wait, I'm going to change that. We might be pretentious assholes, but we don't come across as them on the podcast.
1: Right. Thank gosh. Um, Yeah, that would be bad if we did. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's hard when you talk about filmmaking and being a filmmaker. uh, A lot of what people want to hear is the confidence, you know, and they want answers. They want answers. They want you to be sure of themselves, like especially when you're walking into like a meeting with like a producer or production company. They want security. They want to feel like they're in good hands and all these things. So I think sometimes like, you know, you're encouraged to speak from a place of pretentiousness or At least... Know-it-all. Know-it-all, experience, like, you know, it's all taken care of, blah, 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 but I mean, I feel like it's like a fine line to walk, you know, because you don't want to be that person, but at the same time, you want to make sure that people feel comfortable with you as the director or the producer or whatever, you know? So, yeah, you seem to do a really good job of it, Timothy. I don't know what your secret is,
0: but like... Of walking the fine line.
1: I don't know, yeah, or just like when we're doing a commercial, like, you seem to, to... feel very confident and know all the answers but you don't come off as a as a douchebag you know so uh, I don't that's know. good
0: i feel like my <laughs> go-to is to play dumb
1: but you always have a strong opinion i though. do i have
0: very strong opinions but i don't always voice them a lot of times i keep them quietly in my head and yeah. try to give room to let other people talk before i start talking
1: i think you know exactly when to say things because i've seen you before talking to creatives and like they'll you know put out a bunch of different ideas and then like you know well this if we don't do it this way it doesn't work for me <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> wow that's strong i love it you know um and you're willing to compromise too cuz like you have to but i feel like yeah. you do a good job of asserting your you know like your the, the belief in your in your vision you know without and out without coming off as like you know petty or diluted or something
0: yeah well that's good i mean it's not a conscious thing that i do it's just naturally how i am right yeah that's that's good good. my natural personality is working
1: yeah totally um all right any final last words before we end this thing
0: not on my end how about you
1: Uh, i don't know um (laughs) it's just figuring this whole this whole transition period out for myself i i ended up not producing a short film for a friend of mine i backed out of it um as in a, an attempt to focus more on directing, but then I feel like, yeah, am I really, what am I doing for the directing? I don't know. I gotta, I gotta direct a movie now. So it's just, and then like talking to like people about, oh, well, should I, you know, do a commercial spec, should I do this, should I do that, blah, 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 like, what should I do,
0: it's just like, it's all, there's too many questions. I know, um, and as soon as you start ans- asking those questions of people, you're gonna get, like, a million different answers, and then you just get confused, you're like, what am I doing, I don't even know right. what I'm doing anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, like, I don't necessarily want to, like, try to start a career of um, being a commercial director, it's like, I'm not trying to, you know, become that person and make that my focus. But on the same time, it's like, if I'm going to be a director living in Los Angeles, I should have something more than a bunch of sci-fi films to show people. Like I should have something that could (laughs) be like, Oh, this looks like more lighthearted kind of commercially sort of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, maybe you can direct this small little video for us. You know, like not that I'm trying to become a commercial director or like, you know, become like, yeah, like do, do even what you do. Like, I'm just trying to, do something where i can get paid to direct like in between you know working on the, the feature stuff but i don't know maybe that's misguided maybe i should just be trying to figure out how to make money when i get to la and then just spend all my free time on the feature
0: stuff maybe that's the better answer um Gosh, so i don't know man, i wish i could give you that answer that's that those are tough questions it kind of feels figure that out
1: yeah it just sort of feels like it's all time right like um you know one one of the our listeners um paul uh who hopefully we'll have on the show soon he he texts me every once in a while and he was saying like yeah you know like when when i need like he's a commercial director he's like when i need a a piece like i'll just shoot something really quick and edit it really quick and then you know it doesn't have to be perfect but like now this is something that i can show that i wasn't in my reel before and like maybe it'll help me get work maybe it won't but you know the the for him it's like he doesn't just he doesn't put a lot of time into it he doesn't agonize over it he just goes and shoots it and i think that's kind of a really good mindset to be in because like yeah, I could like spend the next six months trying to come up with like a really great commercial lease type of short film and put a lot of energy into it and make it and spend some money on it and all that stuff. But I think if I did that, maybe that's just spending too much time on something. That's just going to be a small <laughs> part of what, of my package rather than, you know, maybe like I can make a few things and like do them in the weekend, you know, uh, each or,
0: yeah, you know, spend a little well, bit as of time. Long as- as many years as I've known you, I've never known you to do anything quickly, except cake. for cake.
1: Cake, I did quickly. That's the
0: first <laughs> time I've seen you do something quickly. Right. But everything else from <laughs> from Brother, because I was friends with you when you started Brother and when you started The Rage, and both of those projects were supposed to be like three-month turnaround things that ended up being at least a year-long process. Right.
1: Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, that's what I'm trying to get better at. And I think cake was a good step in that direction. But like I want to scale up a little bit, um, you know, do it more than just by myself and then see what happens. Uh, Yeah, because or even if I just shoot a few things before I leave and then edit them while I'm in Los Angeles, I mean, I just feel like you got to be creating stuff, especially if you're going to go into a new place with new people. It's like helpful to be able to talk about something that you've done or that you're doing. Rather than being like, look at this short film I shot two years ago or something, you know, it's like I'm actively doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's important for any artist, you know, whether moving or not, you know, just to be like actively making things, you know. Um. Anyways, enough talking. Let's get out of here.
0: <laughs> um,
1: take us out thanks for listening everybody if you want to get in contact with us you can send us an email to podcast at com, or find us on twitter and facebook at M-M-I-H podcast. you can also visit our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode you know and while you're there you can sign up to to our newsletter to receive the show notes delivered to your inbox every Monday morning which I do get even though I am that's my <laughs> podcast but I get How a lovely email which is really nice um and please if you like the show tell your friends about it or leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and Timothy thanks so much for another great episode man hey thank you it's been fun just you and me talking yeah. it out like the old days exactly not that we're not trying to get guests it's just that sometimes scheduling is difficult but uh yeah, yeah you know Um. oh and I wanted to say one more thing we've gotten a lot of emails from people re- recently like probably more than, than usual and I think part of it was because I was at AFM and you know Telling people I was in LA, but I think also we're just getting more, which is really nice. So thanks to everybody for emailing us. Really, we and love it. And
0: sorry to the people we did not respond to, yeah, or it took a while to respond to. Yeah, exactly. I try to respond to everyone just because I feel guilty if I don't say something even if it's like thanks but no thanks
1: yeah and and please don't be offended if we haven't responded to you it's not because we don't you know appreciate the reaching out and everything it's just because maybe what you're reaching out about isn't right for the show or I don't know other reasons but yeah we try to respond to everybody so sorry for those who we haven't yeah, don't um, hate us. Yeah, Keep please. listening. <laughs> yeah. And, and email us again, you know, if you, there's no harm in more emails, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Okay, we we're supposed to be over with the show, right? Let's, yeah, let's end it. this is it. Okay. All right, bye. Bye.